Welcome to another episode of Opera for Everyone. I'm Keely Heron. And I'm Pat Wright. And today on Opera for Everyone, we are listening to Les Danaides by Antonio Salieri. And why is Antonio Salieri famous or not famous or infamous? <laughs> All of those things. Well, I think those who are old enough to remember or who go back and watch older movies remember that movie Amadeus. Amadeus, Amadeus, Amadeus. <laughs> not in the movie. Amadeus. So um, he was uh, he was in Vienna <laughs> at, at the time when Mozart was in Vienna. <laughs> so he's infamous for that. Because he was kind of Mozart's rival. Or he thought that he was Mozart's rival. Or he know, thought that Mozart was his rival. And the history is somewhat contradictory on the relationship that Mozart had with Salieri. But there is no doubt you and I are talking about him today because of his relationship with Mozart. Exactly. Mozart, the composer of some of our most beloved operas. I love Mozart. Yeah, it's hard not to love Mozart. It's always like a frolicking, hilarious romp. With exquisite music. With beautiful music. Yes. But Salieri's name pops up in connection with Mozart. And I think for people of my generation, it, it, it came to consciousness with that film mm-hmm. uh, in the 80s, Amadeus, which is, has had a revival recently in London part of the NT's broadcast. Mm-hmm. The um, National Theater. Yes, sorry. <laughs> yes, that's right. And For people who aren't theater and opera nerds. I confess to being a nerd on those, both <laughs> points. Not necessarily well-informed, but passionate and appreciative. So Salieri comes into focus in relationship to Mozart. And part of what the, the premise of that play is, is that Salieri is a very good... I mean, he's the court composer to the emperor, in Vienna. So he's he's no slouch. And he has had a successful string of compositions, operas, all sorts of different music that he's produced. And the younger Mozart comes in. And because he is such a skilled musician, mm. he realizes to a degree that it, it seems no one else does around him, Mozart's genius. Right. So there's that play, but the play is based on an earlier story by our old good friend, Alexander Pushkin. <gasps> right! Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. How much of a nerd am I that I'm like, oh, yeah, Pushkin, I know. Oh, I- yeah, Pushkin. So for, for those of you who follow Opera for Everyone, we spent quite a bit of time talking about Pushkin when we did the opera. Eugene Onyegin. Well done, Keely. And I pronounced it correctly, too. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> Patting myself on the back. Good work, good work. Thanks. So Pushkin, this, this great romantic writer of Russia, the father of Russian literature is sometimes what he's called, he writes this very short piece, essentially a play but not necessarily intending to be performed, about Mozart and Salieri where he has Salieri plotting and in fact poisoning, murdering Mozart. So this becomes then a way to get into his head mm-hmm. and see really the the awful thoughts that he has when he recognizes Mozart's genius. And how his star is going to eclipse his own. Right. It's inevitable. And, and Salieri knows, realizes this. He he sees, you know, like, my bad luck to be alive at a time when Mozart's also alive. That said, Salieri was a very accomplished composer. And he had many successes. And he had admirers in the music world. And he was successful yeah. in his well, time. Well, and this, just listening to the, and I, you know, I mean, again, with Salieri, it's like, who is he? And 
You wouldn't know of him except for that. I wouldn't know of him except for that film. Well, and even when you go and look at great compendiums of operas, his are rarely He's, mentioned. Yeah. But th- I mean, I really enjoyed listening to this. Yes, it's it's wonderful. So we were able to locate it. <laughs> right, because it was tough. This was a challenge, this one. We, we actually chose this particular Salieri opera because there are many, but we chose this one because we could, in fact, get a hold of a, a CD of this. Right, which was no small feat. No small feat. This one is more recorded than than most. There are there are a couple of others you can get a hold of. But to find, you know, we've spoken before about how we we love the fact that we can find a lot of the operas we do here on this program and watch them on YouTube mm-hmm. or one of the streaming services. Mm-hmm. Not so Nothing. much for this. No, no. I even I even called up a. a the San Francisco Opera and talk to the guy and I'm like is there such a thing he's like I don't think you're gonna find it mm. <laughs> and he's like what what don't you want to do like you know Don Giovanni or Magic Flute and I'm like, like yeah, oh, yeah we've we- already done that one <laughs> so so here we hear ah yes our main uh two of our main characters Danus and Lance and do we want to just give a little bit of a let's do a little listen and then we'll explain who they are okay all right so you're listening to opera for everyone on 89.1 khol and today we're listening to Les Danaïdes by Salieri Well, that was a happy day they were singing about. Oh, Danus and Lance. Les Danaides is the title of our opera. Mm-hmm. And it is based on an ancient Greek story 
which was then popularized by Aeschylus. Oh, Aeschylus. I know him. Oh, yeah. old good old Aeschylus. Well, known to us as the, you know, father of Greek tragedy. So Yes, I knew that. No, I didn't. I didn't know that. Well, now we all know. Now we do. Aeschylus was the father of Greek tragedy. Thank you, Pat. I'm so glad you're here. So... So this is this is a, a right and proper classical opera in terms of going back to ancient, yeah. great ancient times, going back and grabbing a great ancient Greek story. story. And I can I can talk a little bit more later about how the libretto comes to be because there's there is an interesting story there. But let's let's talk about the story, the story. itself yes. right now. Yes, enlighten me. So Danaid refers to the daughters of Danus. Mm-hmm. Um, who is our one of our main characters who we just heard sing? Yes, he is the uh, he's the the bass that you hear singing. Yep, he's the god of Argo and Fratello di Egito, which I don't know what that means. No, he's, he's not the, a god. He's a king. He's a king, 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 Ray. Yes, the king of Argo. Yes. Oh, is that like Argo, like Jason and the Argonauts? Is there any relation? Yeah, yeah, there is. So, okay, Danus is um, the king, mm-hmm. and Danus has a twin brother. Lancé. No. No. Lancé is his nephew. Okay. Uh, Danus has a has a, a twin brother who mm-hmm. is um, king of Egypt, and his name sounds like Egypt. Egyptus. So Danus, interestingly, has 50 daughters. He's been busy. Aegis has 50 sons. That's creepy. Creepy and convenient. <laughs> <laughs> so these are these men are both kings, and yet they are bitter rivals. Ah, bitter rivals, right? And, and so, so this is the an king epic in, tale. This is this is yes, this is an epic tale on a grand scale that involves individuals who are are people with family feelings, mm-hmm. but they also represent Greece and they represent Egypt. So interesting, yeah. So when when we say ancient Greece, yes, I know I'm going to be in the wrong century, but we're talking like well, ancient Greece spans many many centuries. So, I mean, ancient Greece finally falls into eclipse after the Alexandrian period. I mean, it's not under Alexander, but when the when the Romans really take charge. So we're talking. The, the golden age of Greece that we call when we talk about Athens. This is these, you know, I always, I never believe in making people memorize tons and tons of actual dates. That's why we have you here, but Pat, pinpoint, you know. pinpoint centuries, fifth, fifth century BC. Wow, is golden age of Athens. But this is this is that is much later than the period we're talking about now. This is much earlier than wow. that. Wow. Okay, so this is a way long time. This ago. is the mythical past of mythical Greece. past of Greece. So yeah. before fifth century BC. Yeah. Okay. So for our and listeners. And now Aeschylus, I didn't look up when he's writing, but I'm going to guess Aeschylus is fifth century. We could do that during one of the songs. We, we can check. We could Google that. <laughs> at okay. any rate. All right. At so any I'm rate, digressing. You are. And so am I because I, I happily ride along holes. that road. <laughs> at any rate. So we have these two brothers who are bitter rivals who are geographically separated. And this is the backstory to what, what we were just listening to. They, King, the, the, the brother, not Danos, the other brother. Egyptus. Uh, Egyptus wants his sons to marry the daughters and thereby end the rivalry. And the, and the daughters actually flee because, and the father, because he doesn't want essentially to have his family 
swallowed up right, by his because, brother's family. Right, because they're all... Because if the women marry male, the men, they right, would be, yeah. you know... They'll lose. Done. Right. And so they that's that's why, in fact, they have, have fled to Argos. But Donus has relented. Donus has said, we're going to do this. And, and they have come to him and the daughters, the, the, all, the, all, the, all the sons, the 50 sons have come, and he's agreed to let them marry. So what, what we're hearing in this, in the beginning, what we were hearing is Lancé, who is one of the brothers, mm-hmm. the nephew of Danos, saying, yes, we're, we're, you know, we're going to have peace. We have pledged loyalty to you. Um, I, it's going to be wonderful. And the chorus is, oh, happy day, happy day of peace. <laughs> Literally, that's what they're saying. And everything's going to be wonderful. And Danos even says, if any of us dared to break his promise, it's going to be bad. Vengeful lightning will separate that person from us. So he's like, interestingly, because P.S., I'll just go ahead and tell you, he has no intention to honor this peace. Danos does. The father oh, of the 50 daughters. Really? Really. It's all a plot. That never happens in opera either. It's all a plot. But it's we've got the happy face on in the beginning. And the chorus is happy. This is all going to be wonderful. And the, the w- young women are getting ready to be married. And what and are we hearing right now? This is So this is Plancipe who's singing. Yes. And she's it's uh, Loin de nous jalousie affreuse. Something about far from us a jealous something or Frightful other. jealousy. Carry elsewhere your cruel poison. Let's ta- let us taste the mutual charm. A chain forever happy. So she's into it. Oh, yes. And then the chorus is going to tell us tender love, innocent peace, that often courses are exiled, that our paneling is your asyl- asylum, and do not run away from the palaces anymore. So we've got this joining of these two royal families, and peace is going to reign. Or Should so, we listen? Or so we think. <laughs> according to according to Plancipe in the chorus, but not according to Danus. Well, but that's all hidden inside his dark heart at this point. Ooh. Scary. <laughs> all right, let's listen to this. So you're listening to 89.1 AHOL. Okay, so now they're dancing. Yes, this is, and and remember, da- uh, having a, a portion of a dance in an opera is very It's common. the opera... Dance. No, it's the difference between an opera comique and an opera... Oh, am I making that up? I, no. I mean, that's not, I don't know where you're going with this. Well, there's like, 
opera. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with it. I thought that there was something that there was a certain era where having a dance in an opera was a very uh, on trend thing to do. Well, it is. And, and oftentimes the opera companies and the um, ballet companies are intertwined or, mm-hmm. or, or very. And we still, I mean, we still have this today where opera companies and, and ballet companies will share facilities, but usually they are separate. Companies. Separate and and occasionally, an opera company may hire a dancer, but it's not it's not as integrated as it used to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not sure. Did we mention when this is all first debuting? This is 1784 mm-hmm. when this opera makes its premiere at in, the in, in Paris Théâtre de l'Académie Royale de Musique. Right, we're in Paris for this, so this is why uh, French is even though Salieri, of course, is Italian himself. Um, this is why. This is uh, why right. we're listening in French. Salieri was Italian, but Mozart was German. Yes. And they met in Vienna. I've never been to Vienna. I literally drove through one time. It's kind of I would love, uh, a we regret. We plan a trip, Pat, Ooh, an to opera Vienna. trip. Mm. But there's a bunch of opera nerds there. That's okay. safe to say. So who is this? This is Danus, our our base, the mm. father. Mm-hmm. The um, one with the dark heart. The one with the dark heart. Um, the one who, yeah, is not really going to be plotting. honoring these fabulous marriages that his daughters are having with his brother's sons. So creepy. Shall we listen to him a little yeah, bit? Yeah, let's listen. <laughs>
So that was a very interesting song by Danus. Danus, who in this version of Les Danaïdes by Salieri is played by Dimitri Kavrakos. Fabulous voice, huh? That was, it was lovely. But it was, that's baritone or bass? Baritone. He's a bass. He's a bass. Um, lovely voice. Yes. Well, I, you know, I'm saying this not that I know this particular singer, but I'm just going by my descriptions of the various people in the opera. Mm-hmm. Danus is to be a bass. Danus. So that was a happy little song, was it not? Yes. Jouissez du destin propice. So this is an interesting one to me because it's the, the, if you just listen to the music, not knowing any of the words, it just seems so happy, know, happy, congratulatory. Yeah. And in fact, that's how it f- is fitting in. This whole bit that we've been listening up to till now yes. is, you know, there are going to be all these marriages, Hooray. there's going to be peace, you're going to be happy, our countries are good, everybody's going to be happy, it's going to be great, mm-hmm. all is well. But in this happy little ditty he just sang, he's he's giving us just little flickers of that dark heart of his that mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier. He's saying, you know, oh, you're going to just enjoy yourself. Your desires will be fulfilled. Enjoy, enjoy. Because remember, without noise, often death slips in and hits you and hits us all in the pleasures. And they're not like their ears aren't perking up going like, huh, what is he talking about? Every moment the fatal bout (laughs) can hit you and you'll have to suffer from that. He's saying them, you know, things can change in a moment. So he's he's kind of foreshadowing, Foreshadowing. Mm -hmm. letting us know what's going to come. And so who are we listening to here? This is underneath, um, this is Hypermenestre. You, you say it. <laughs> no, I don't think I can say it after that. Hyper... Uh, Hypermenestre. 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 I think you added an additional syllable. There. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. That was, that was I'll like... let you do it in French. I think maybe it, it, it sounds better in French. Hypermenestre. Hypermenestre. <laughs> yeah, you got to get that. I think I think in English we say hypermnestra. Hypermnestra. I'll go with that. She, and then she is one of the daughters of Danus. She's the oldest daughter of Danus. And she is she is the named daughter of Danus. The rest of them are just a big the other 49 They're are just daughters. A big, big clump of daughters. <laughs> Marrying the clump of 49 sons cuz uh Lance is the named son. Uh the, right. she so those two are, are, de- paired. are they are paired. There they are, are to be there married. There are heroes. So what we're hearing right now is uh Hypermnestra, hypomnestre. Uh, That's good, Pat. I like that one. Ah, merci. De rien. <laughs> she's uh, she is singing. Forget all these days of trouble, and she's 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 on the whole peace train here. All right, let's listen because this is a beautiful duet. Let's listen to hypomnestre and Lancé singing. Oublions tous ces jours de pain. Forget our painful days.
So here we are at the end of the first act of Salieri's Les Danaides. It's so pretty. Well, it is pretty. And this entire act has been in celebration of these 50 marriages yeah. that will bring peace between these two brothers. Between Argos and the peoples. And Egypt. Between ancient Greece and ancient Egypt, yeah? More or less. Yeah. Close enough. Okay. Um, and so we heard the duet. We heard that, that wonderful tenor with our soprano. Mm-hmm. The, that's the, the named daughter and the named son, our main mm-hmm. characters there. Mm-hmm. And they are singing a beautiful love duet because they're... In love. They are in love. They are properly, well, truly, and utterly in love. Which is nice. Which is nice. They're like, hypermenestra. And she's like, Lance, object of my affection. I'm with you, baby. She, exactly. Exactly. And they sing in this beautiful duet, which combines their voices, uh, symbolizing their combined love. Their, their connection and their commitment to one another. Exactly, exactly. And then the chorus, that's what we were just listening to. That was so pretty. It was beautiful. And they are also celebrating the joys of love and the love and the peace that's going to come from these marriages. I just can't get over A, Salieri, nobody nobody cares. Psyche Salieri, nobody cares. We blame Pushkin. We blame Pushkin, that <laughs> jerk, for well, besmirching his and, name. And, well, and being such a, a good and loved writer that many people pick up the story. Yes. Yeah, so, but I mean, that was the thing, just listening to this opera this week. It's like, you feel like you're in church or something. It's just like, it's big and gorgeous and, and angelic and yes. chorale. And it's just like, yes. so evocative. Am I being nerdy? Or I mean, you're loving it. And it's that's, so that's what pretty. this is all about. To love the beauty of the music, um, to enjoy the story, it's all part of it. And one of the things that's that's lovely about this opera, um, and that that I'm told because I haven't, it takes a little bit more effort to study Salieri's work because it's not as available mm-hmm. as a lot of other composers. Um, but the but the central placement of the chorus. It's not just the chorus now and once again comes into echo. Fill in the story and you know, give those because, singers a break. And yeah, whatever. the chorus, the townspeople, the group of daughters, mm-hmm. the group of sons. It's um, they. It the chorus. There's a lot of good choral music here because of this. So it wasn't just my imagination. He actually like really mm-hmm. went for yes. it on the chorus. Yes, 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 absolutely, and and um, and for a good reason as far as the story goes. Which is? Which is we have these this group of 50 daughters. Oh, we have this group right, of 50 right, sons. right. Oh, as far as, okay. Gotcha. And, and we that. have the, the people who are relieved and thrilled about peace. Peace. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So, so that's the end of Act One. And we're ready for the second act. You ready? I'm ready. So should we, should we just, what, you tell me what you want to do. You want to talk? Let's play. Let's play. Let's play the first one and um, listen carefully, everyone. See if you can figure out what might be happening here, and then we'll help you. It's an opera challenge. Uh Put, Put your helmets on. All right, let's go.
All right. How'd you do with the opera challenge, everyone? What do you think I happened there? I think, well, it it's a it's a very dramatic opening. It is. And it's, it feels like we're in a dark, yes. kind of scary slash sacred, like kind of, you know, I'm, I've, I'm on my, I'm on guard. I'm, I'm alert and waiting to see what happens. And in fact, the female voices that you first hear come in, those were the Danaid. Those are the 50 daughters. brides. They say, where are we? Oh, heaven. Horror. Spectacle. What is this? Usamnu. Right. Where are we? Oh, ciel. Oh, heaven. So then we hear our bass, Danus, come yes. in. And Danus says, and you could tell from the from the music, even before the women sang, right? Yeah. A little sinister. Yeah, it's scary. It was a little sinister. So Danus says, my daughters, it's time to open my heart and reveal to you a frightening mystery. So he says, I need you to help avenge me and help me carry out my wrath on this bloody altar Devote to your father the blood of your new husbands. And they say, Votre frère cruel. Your cruel brother, because they know how his brother has mistreated him. Right, and he says the very same. Yes, and we get a little aside from Hypermnestra, and Mm -hmm. she's like, "Uh oh. I'm not down with this. This is a little uncomfortable. This bugs me. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Because she loves Lancé. She loves Lancé. She loves him. And the rest of them are not like, they're not in love or what? And, and, no, they're like, <laughs> 50 daughters, 50 sons, marry him up. No, right. I, I think, I think the, the odds of any love match were slim there. So the fact that there is one is, is lovely. Okay. Um, and critical for our plot. Right. As you can imagine. But, um, but Danus says, uh, uh, you know, don't I know you're not surprised because you're all aware that my brother Egyptus kicked me out of my throne and he just assumed I were dead. Um, and we we need to we need to take avenge for this. Revenge. It's a lot of blood. A lot of bloodshed. Not yet, but it's coming up. It's 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 bloodshed soon. Foreshadowed. Yes, soon. Soon. Um, but nevertheless, this is kind of a gruesome thing he's he's expecting of them, right? Um, and the and the Danaids will reflect the, the, this chorus of the women who are to be married. Um, you know what terrible events brought us to this to this cruel mission of having to kill the, the their bridegrooms. So they're asking their dad what happened, or they're they're reflecting on it. They're oh, they're talking about it. Okay, right. Yes, and and we're getting again an aside from Hypermnestra who says, "What horror! What horror!" So she's kind of like letting the reality of this horrible deed their father is asking them to do sink mm-hmm. in on her, as a way where the 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 sisters her sisters are 
reflecting on it and horrified by it, but they're not revolting against it. They're following his orders. They will be. They will be. Um, they're very loyal to their father. And, you know, loyalty to one's parents is, is key. Uh, their father's a king, and he expects to be obeyed. So Danus tells them, um, you must carry this out. And you must kill his sons, and we and we go on and on. And I mean, he's he's and he's kind of reveling a little bit too much for my taste in the gore of it all, in the bloodshed of these young men. Um, but that's how it has to happen. He says, "Your husbands must perish at your hands. You must draw their blood." So Hypermnestra's aside at this point is barbarian. That sounds gross. Um. So she's decided against her father, essentially, when she utters that. She's in horror, she's in horror, and then she's calling him a barbarian, meaning not civilized, not following the rules of civilization. Mm -hmm. Back in the 5th century B.C. No, this is ancient mythical Greece. Yeah, this is ancient, but still there's, you know, murdering your husband on his wedding night. Probably not going to be a good idea at Mm -hmm. any particular time. But this is an epic tale. It is an epic tale. So should we listen to this? This is Danus, and he's talking about... Um... Oh, he's talking about divinity of greedy blood. Right? Is that what it is? Je vous vois fremir de colère. Oh, hang on. I I think you're listening to... Track 16. Ah, it just flipped numbers. Sorry, I was reading the wrong one. He's just sung that one. Uh, I see you shudder with anger. Let's listen to that. Yes. And then and then we're going to listen to uh the the chorus will come in after that. And they'll talk about uh the the flames of humanities. So that's the Danaid, and they're talking about what's this humanitis? What's humanitis, Pat? 
Am I putting you on the spot? A little bit. Um, I'm I'm just assuming it's a Greek a Greek god or goddess. Yes. Um, yes. And I'm not up on that one, so I apologize. But um the the point Gosh. is Yeah, I know. Gosh, Pat. Why am I even here? <laughs> <laughs> but but um the Danaids and the and the chorus are kind of getting on board with Danos's directive. His dir- his dark heart plan. His dark heart plan. You know, strike these perfidious hearts. He says. What does perfidious mean? Perfidious. Yeah. Um, untrue, lying, bad. Ooh, perfidious. Yeah. That's a twenty five cent word for sure. Yeah, yeah, it is. There's actually a fabulous song, which if I were in the singing mood, I would render you I, my, I i'm familiar with the linda rodstadt version of it perfidious is the name of the song get out yeah it's pretty good actually. okay well we gotta find that okay anyway i digress so <laughs> what about your perfidious hearts blah 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 yeah so so in other words they are making sure they are clear in their minds that these are bad guys so it's easier to murder someone if they're a bad guy if you believe they're bad guys mm-hmm. they're not just the sons of this guy that your dad's having an argument with so they are all convincing themselves that they're doing a good thing by murdering mm-hmm. these young men because they are it's perfidious. like it's like that that scene in eight mile with Eminem where they're like listening to da, 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 da. no i'm just making that up i don't i have no idea what i'm talking about sorry i oh. retract that <laughs> no problem no problem and then Donis is going to um notice remember we keep talking about all these little sides that hypermnestra is making mm-hmm. um that she's not into it that she's not into it and he's noticing this, and he says, um, can't help but notice, darling daughter, when your sisters have sworn to serve my revenge, you remain silent. You remain silent. And Hypermnestra says, my sisters, I hate them. What they're, what they're agreeing to horrifies me. Horrifies me. Mm-hmm. She's like, they're animals. And can you imagine how this goes over with her father? Not not well. Not well. Not well. She says, she says, what an awful darkness to to want to murder your brother's sons and to and to do it with our hands. How how can I how could I agree with this? Mm-hmm. And Danu says, uh, well, I take upon myself the responsibility for this crime. It's you are not to judge. It's not your place to judge. I am kingly. You are not. I get to judge, and my revenge is legitimate. And so you, daughter, must get avenge. Mine. You must obey your father. Because I'm the dad. That's why. Yeah. Don't, don't make me pull this car over. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Shape up, young lady. Right. That's exactly what he's telling her. Um, Sounds not very pleasant. But she says, but but Lancé, her betrothed, mm-hmm. has received my sacred faith. In other words, she's pledged her life to him. Like, how can I... Yeah, she's like, you're putting me in a bad spot here. A little bit of a, a, a contest of loyalties between right. father and husband. Right. And he's he's just not seeing that because for him, this whole marriage thing was a sham anyway. But it's right. not a sham for her because she loves him. And he says and she, and she says, but dad, don't you remember you swore peace? And he's like, that was I don't didn't be mean silly. it. It doesn't it doesn't it doesn't count because I didn't mean it. 
he's like, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go into any modern day political stuff. Good. <laughs> All right, should we listen to this? Sure, let's do that. Okay. All right, so this is uh Hypermenestra and Danus. <laughs> you laugh every time I say it. I don't know, it's a tough one. Hypermenestra. Uh, and Danus arguing about whether or not she's going to kill her husband because he wants her to. And she's sworn to be his wife. Well, what do you think? She sounds kind of sad. She's profoundly sad. She's got a got a contest of loyalty between uh, the man she's sworn to marry and and her father. And her father's not taking any uh, loyalty. He's she's, not taking any guff. He's not taking any guff. And 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 he's. He's calling her perfidious, treacherous, disloyal. Such a good word. Just it is a good word. Speaking of that, let's. I I pulled <laughs> up the Linda Ronstadt song, so we're gonna. This is an opera for everyone first. 
Yeah. Where we're pulling in pop culture references. Cool. And you know what? We can do that. Because this is for everyone. Why? Because, yeah, it's for everybody. Okay, so we're going to, let's try this. Let's see what happens. You will never forget that word. Uh, Perfidious. <laughs> <laughs> I like Linda Ronstadt. That was like that was had a little mambo beat there. Oh, it's fun. Like a little. Burr, 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 burr. I love that. I love this song. It was actually on a really good album, as I recall. Um, and anyway, so yes, every time so I hear the word. So that was a huge perfidious. digression. That was a huge digression, but but Danus, back to the story. Yes. does keep accusing Hyman. Hypermenestra. <laughs> Hypermenestra of perfidy, of, of treachery, mm-hmm. of, of not obeying her father. Right. Um, and she is headstrong. You would think under, under the kind of assault she is receiving from her father. That the, she would cave. The verbal lashing she's getting, that she would, that she would relent. Um, and he's, he's like, nope, I am, I am the one who gets to judge. I condemn him. I want him to die, therefore it is just. And how can you not? How can you not obey me? You know, you think you're in love or you're you're insane. You don't know what you're talking about to say you prefer this man who isn't even your husband yet mm-hmm. to your father's wishes. How dare you? Exactly. Exactly. But she asks, and this is actually kind of poignant. Mm. But is it necessary? to commit this awful crime in order to love you. Is that, is that necessary? Mm-hmm. Is that what I have to do to prove my love? Yeah, he's, and he's just like, I- I'm not going to debate niceties with you, dear. My order is pronounced, and it's up to you to obey it. It's up to you to obey it. He's playing hardball. He is playing hardball. And then, and then he yells perfidious again. <laughs> because he's not, he, you know, and she's standing her ground. Right. So we've got um, we've got a couple songs here that are leading up to the end of Act Two, yes. and this is an opera in is it four acts or five? Five, five acts. Five. Salieri, he's no slouch. No, he he was a hard worker. He really brings his A game. <laughs> um, so Hypermenestra and Danus are arguing. He's like, "You're a bad daughter." She's like, "You're a jerk." <laughs> you know, you shouldn't expect me to kill somebody to prove that I love you. And why don't we just have a listen to those two songs as we wrap up the first half of 
Well, and let me also tell you that when we get to one of the songs, the one that Danus will so- will sing, um, yeah, a girl of or an unworthy light. Yeah, you know, my daughter, you are unworthy of me. Mm-hmm. He reminds her of something actually very important, and important for the opera. And if anyone you know is a lover of of Greek mythology, uh, we all know that oracles matter. There's an oracle involved here. Oh. Which will just be mentioned at this point. Okay. Uh, the oracle says, don't you remember, dear daughter, that your father has been destined to die at the hands of the husband of one of my daughters? Oh. So there's another really good reason why these boys all need to die. <sighs> because, and we all know, again, for you Greek mythology lovers, we know all know how incredibly well it works out. When you try to thwart the oracle. My guess is that it doesn't really work out. It never works out. <laughs> I mean, do you know the Oedipus story? <laughs> I mean, exhibit A. I mean, I don't really know the Oedipus story, but I know basically the Oedipus story. Yeah. Well, let's just let's just put it this way. In, in an effort to thwart the oracle, that's why Oedipus ends up killing his father and marrying his mother. But we digress in our Greek mythology, <laughs> Greek stories. <laughs> um, so, so he says, remember, daughter, the oracle said, I am to die at the hands of one of my son-in-laws. So you must, you know, get over your reservations, get over your affection that you seem to think you have for this man and do your duty. Well, but then they're never going to get married. I mean, it's like, so they'll, marry, they'll kill these guys, but then... Anybody else they marry is going to be a son-in-law. And that the com- logic is flawed. It's flawed logic here. Uh, aside from the fact that whenever you try to thwart the oracles, yeah, you lose. Don't try to thwart the oracles. All right, so let's uh, wrap up the first half of today's episode of Opera for Everyone, where we're listening to Le Danaid by Antonio Salieri, which debuted in Paris in 1784. And this last couple of songs here is Hypermenestra and her father arguing about whether or not she's going to murder her husband to prove that she loves him. Right? Him being her father. Him being her father. On 89.1 KHOL.
Welcome back to the second half of this episode of Opera for Everyone. I'm Keely Heron. And I'm Pat Wright. And today on Opera for Everyone, we are listening to Le Danaide. Le Danaide by Antonio Salieri. Antonio Salieri. So fun to say. <laughs> fun for us. <laughs> All right. So we, uh, you're listening to, um, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL. As we start the second half. Well, that means you need to bring us up to speed. It's time for the Opera Helmet Quiz. Okay, Keely. Oh, I wasn't prepared. Um, okay, so we're set in ancient Greece, sometime in mythical ancient Greece. So really, really early before BC. And we have two brothers, um, Danus and Egyptus. And Danus has sworn revenge on his brother for stealing his kingdom. And Egyptus has 50 sons and Danus has 50 daughters. And they've decided in quotes, with air quotes around it, that they are going to marry them to one another. So the 50 sons will marry the 50 daughters, and that will bring peace to the kingdom. And Danus has agreed to this. However, in his dark heart, he also has an evil plan to exact revenge on his brother by allowing his daughters to marry the 50 sons of Egyptus, but then he's going to have them all kill their husbands. On their wedding night. On their wedding night, because according to an oracle, Danus would be killed by his son-in-law. And so of the 50 daughters, 49 of them are more or less on board with this evil plan. Yes. But hypermestre. Yes. Uh like that pronunciation very much um is in love with lance who is one of the uh one of the sons and she is not down with the plan and as we ended act two in the she first was, half she was lamenting that she that was, was lamenting that lament you heard she was lamenting that uh her dad was being a jerk and saying that the only way she could prove that she loved him was by killing her husband and she's like that just doesn't seem fair and he's like you're perfidious yes treachery you're you're you don't listen to me and i'm the dad and you should listen to me exactly and scene and this happy little song we've just been listening to this choral song Chorus, meanwhile, doesn't know of any of the perfidy, <laughs> doesn't know of the plan that Danus has. And so they're like, yeah, we're getting ready for a wedding. It's going to be great. Let's celebrate this happy alliance or all these happy alliances. Yeah. Yeah. So um, they're they're happy. They're having a good time. And we are getting ready to celebrate these weddings. Sounds fun. Doesn't it sound fun? Should we take a minute to talk about how this opera came to be? Yes, let's. Because there's a little bit of an interesting story there. I feel like there's going to be some knowledge bombs. <laughs> there might be a knowledge bomb or two. Nice. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> so we, we in the beginning of the first hour, we introduced uh, Salieri and why we chose to talk about him. And, and part of the reason why we, we don't talk about him as much is because his name has sort of been blackened with his relationship with Mozart. But Salieri had a relationship with another important composer. <gasps> Tchaikovsky? Uh, Gluck. Oh, yeah, Gluck. Okay, you said yeah, Gluck, like you have something to say. I've heard of him. You've no. heard of him, right? We've heard of him, right? Yeah. Um, I I believe I could be wrong, but I believe his most well-known opera these days is Orpheus and Eurydice. 
Ah, yeah, also I an saw ancient that. Greek story. That was a trouser roll, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah. Actually, I haven't I seen it I think I saw recently. that one at the Met a long time ago. Yeah, probably, mm-hmm. probably. At any rate, so he's he's a generation or so older than Salieri, and um, and Salieri becomes something of a protege for for Gluck. Gluck takes him under his wing, mm-hmm. uh, helping to train him and teach him. And uh, at a certain point, Gluck had uh, written an opera which was performed in Paris. And it didn't get received well hmm. in Paris. Hmm. Um, this one was very well received. The Danaide, when, yes. when it first came out, it was. Yes, but we'll, and we'll get to that in just a moment. Um, and I'm just looking to see... Oh, Echo and Narcissus was the one that, that was... Uh, the Echo and Narcissus is another Greek myth, <laughs> is performed in Paris. Uh, it's not well received, and Gluck also suffers his first stroke, um, and this is in 1779. Hmm. And um, so he's just like, that's it, I'm done with Paris. I'm just like, I have no interest in like these, these poor people. They don't appreciate me, mm-hmm. so they get no more of me. Right, I'm going to take my ball and go home. Exactly. And, and, you know, of course, as you would imagine at this time, he's got other projects in the hopper mm-hmm. things going on and his librettist he's got a side hustle no not a side hustle but he's like his next project oh his next project you know okay. beginning the the beginning stages it's not like he's going to start a muffin shop or something no it, it was another opera he had planned um on the danid you know the topic appealed to him it's obviously another one of these great powerful mm-hmm. mythological Epic stories tales. exactly and um his usual i'm not going to pronounce his name right calzabigi his usual uh, Italian librettist had even written up a libretto for him to begin working on. Wow. Um, it's unclear how much work he had actually done on it because we're told that Gluck did most of it in his head before he ever put anything down on paper. Um, but after he'd written off Paris and this whole thing, he essentially takes the libretto and he hands it to these two Frenchmen with the idea that they could rework it and then give it to Salieri, his protege, to make into an opera. And so when Les Danaides premieres in 1784 in Paris, the composing credit is dual. It's given to both Gluck and Salieri. Ah. And, and it's, it's a, it, as you mentioned, it's a big success. It's a huge success. In fact, it's such a success that that opera house commissioned two more works. From Salieri. From Salieri, because once it, it has become clear in general knowledge that this is a successful opera, Gluck is like, hey, I I just put my name on it because I wanted you to give it a fair hearing. And this is Salieri's opera. Aww. What's well, nice of him. Kind of crazy, huh? It's very charitable. Yeah, no, well, of course, there are those who, like, if you read the commentaries, there are those who, like, Gluck is like, okay, but in case they change their mind, Gluck, you know, since he was said it wasn't his, he didn't want his name associated with it in case people turn on it and he didn't want to get blamed for Salieri's work. I'm I'm more inclined to believe the charitable explanation that he was, yeah. he was trying to get people his, to really yeah, hear this. Yeah, his little mentee, he was trying to get him yeah, so he some really, props. He really, I mean, Salieri had composed uh, operas before. He had composed, and he was he was successful. But but this really catapulted him into the um, the upper reaches hmm. of notoriety and appreciation. Nice. So it's kind of a cool story. And Gluck, by the way, I again not being an opera scholar, just someone who's read about opera, 
Um, Gluck really makes a point of uh, trying to reform some of the um, normal ways that opera is composed and performed to integrate better story and music and not just let the star performers kind of run wild with their vocal gymnastics. Yes, yes. So um, Gluck is still remembered. And again, any any browsing of operas, you'll pull up more Gluck than you will Salieri, mm-hmm. for sure. But I just thought it was interesting to know of that little... Yeah, that relationship and that he right. sort of propped him up and helped him help he helped launch him. He, he did. He, he absolutely did. And that it's kind of fun. And, and this whole libretto had been written for Gluck. And, and it's, it's a little controversial because the, the Italian fellow had written the libretto and then apparently without even asking him, Gluck passed it on. Right. These, so these, these French, French guys. Yeah. Roulet and Chudi. Um, Chudi. I, yeah. I, <laughs> I don't have any more information about them. Um, well, so what are, what is but, this? And Salieri we're... writes in great, um, gratitude to Gluck for helping him. And he says, well, you know, I did it under Gluck's uh, supervision. He was checking my work, in other words. Yeah, so they're they're giving each other pats on the back. They are. They are. So it sounds like Danus is back here. Danus is back. Should we listen to him? So yeah, let's have a listen to um, this is Danus and this is L'amour serait au doux vainqueur du gange. I have no idea. Something about a a love that's sweet and vanquishing the something or other on uh, Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL. Yep, yep. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, now it gets kind of interesting because we have a scene here coming up here. With... You mean it wasn't interesting before? <laughs> it gets even more interesting. I misspoke. It it becomes more interesting. So um, we're going to have Hypermnestra in conversation with her betrothed. Right. And should we just point out that I was saying Hypermnestra, which you giggled at every single time and i couldn't figure out why and it's because the m and the n need to go together and that's because in ancient greece or was it yeah well it's greek greek name. greek, it's greek they, they yeah. combine consonants they so could... it's epimnest yes we... not hypermenestra <laughs> <laughs> all right now that we've cleared that up okay all right no it's more knowledge bombs Pat. more knowledge bombs all right so we have uh, Lancet and Hypermnestra um, 
conversing here. And, and, um, Hypermnestra is kind of freaking out. Oh, terror, oh, terror. And, and I'll say, what are you doing? And, and she says, I just, I just can't deal with all this. I just can't deal with all this, this homicidal party. I'm, I am horrified by what's so going on. So does she on. tell Lance? Does Lance know of well, the plot? She's, she's, she's alluding Inching to that way. Mm. Um, and Lance is like, okay, I'm listening. And in fact, I'm... You have my attention. I'm motionless and I'm trembling. Does he actually say that? Oh, and yeah. Then, and, then, and then dad comes in and says, oh, banish this senseless sadness. <laughs> you know, so he, he kind of thwarts that just a little bit. Um... And and Lance is like, wait, what's wrong? Don't don't you love me anymore? Aren't you going to marry me? Am I not the man you're going to marry? So he knows something's wrong, but he doesn't know entirely what it is. And in fact, we get Hypermnestra saying to us, um, "Well, he can't read what's deep in my thoughts." Right. And let's actually listen to this one. So this is Lance saying something about my heart. Yeah. On Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL. Much drama in opera land. <laughs> okay. Shocking. <laughs> yeah, right? It's never dramatic. It's it's so um that beautiful tenor piece that you oh, heard. Oh, that was so pretty. That was Lancé, Rendement ton cœur ta confiance, give me back your heart, your trust. He's singing to his beloved. Um, get, just give me, I, give I, me your heart. I love you. Right? He needs to. He needs to know that she is. She is with him, and he says it's all going to be fine as long as we love each other. You know, our eyes must reach agreement. Give me back your heart. This and, is kind of a 
charming very, love story. It's a charming love story with a lot of blood coming up too. <laughs> but it's yes. got a little bit of everything in this opera. Yeah, it's it's really it's a it's a good fratricide, you know, familial like strife. Yeah, love, 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 and we also to then love. <laughs> well, yeah, and and a love that has to. Um, stand up to what she knows is wrong so and and after Lance sings this lovely please come back to me my love mm-hmm, song mm-hmm. to her she if you heard there um, when we played it my courage is exhausted mon courage est à bout mm-hmm. and she says I cannot be silent and, and her father comes in if your mouth betrays your father's secret I will pierce your heart well, that's a little bit extreme. Well, but it's a pretty serious secret she's keeping. I guess. Yes, it is a very serious secret I do not she's like, keeping. I do not like this guy, Denus. He's not nice. <laughs> you no, know, he's not nice. No, not at all. Not a bit nice. So this actually, she's, so this is, uh, this is, uh, my blood freezes in horror is this particular yeah. bit. So she's, you know, my father, my husband, oh, gods gods what should i do you're so cruel to put me in this situation i i i'm dying of love coercion and terror so she's she's flailing around yeah. with this terrible predicament that she's been put in so now they're just going to kind of do that for a while yeah they're going to kind of <laughs> flail around and well, and, argue and, a little. She's going to wrestle with her conscience. He's going to threaten to pierce her heart. Right. Lance is like, "Hey, I'm over here. I love you. <laughs> I love you. What? You seem you seem distracted. Yeah. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> yeah. And Donos is just going to say, you know, come to your senses. You can't hold out against me. Don't don't think you're going to win if you try to betray me. It's not going to work out for you." daughter so so then what happens (laughs) looks like we've got something coming up here that's an it's like uh maybe just like a instrumental it could be like another dance the allegro brillante well track 12 (laughs) yes and do do you want to listen to that or do you want to move on to uh on to the next well i it you're the expert here pat i think we you're the opera use master. That particular word. <laughs> You're the guide. You're our guide in opera land. Guide. Well, let's listen to track thirteen then. And this is uh, the Danaid, the daughters, singing um, "Our Duties Show Zeal." Our duties show zeal. Our, you know, their obligations. They, I'm not they, gonna. I'm not gonna comment on this. Good. <laughs> You're listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL.
So that was a chorus. Yeah, first we had the uh, the chorus of the Danaid. Yep, then we had the townspeople. And the townspeople who are still in in their ignorance. They're still, like, so happy that these weddings are about to happen. Yeah, the, it's going to be a big party. They're just, they're thrilled. I mean, just kind of shades of Act One, in a way. They're, they're still, like, thinking, yay, it's all going to happen. We're going to have peace. It's going to be great. And uh, we're all in celebration. And that, in fact, ends Act Two three for us yeah and then there's a pantomime which we were trying to figure out what that is it, i can't read italian something about imen imeni maybe that's a god of something some yeah i'm not even gonna try i i we don't have enough information here um something about the husband some, or someday wife someone the, will produce this and we will get to see it and we will be good oh that was it <laughs> in the meantime it is a little bit like a um uh mystery you know like we're like it's like a mystery like tracking okay i'm stretching i'm reaching oh no it is in a way though to find these things it's because you know ordinarily when we prep for the show mm -hmm. you just watch something on youtube you watch something on youtube look at the libretto mm -hmm. um listen to the music mm -hmm. any and all times in the preceding week um but this one there was there was no youtube to so we're we're just having to uh be our own directors in our minds by uh, reading the libretto. Well, that's interesting that you say that, because until you said that, I didn't even think, like, I am making it up in my mind. Like, I don't have a reference. I don't have a visual reference. And normally we do. Normally we have, and I can, like, picture Hippomnestra or right. Danis because I know what they looked like in the, in the YouTube video. But here, it's all just in my head, which, it's again... Lovely. To Salieri's credit, like, pretty good. Like, the the music is so evocative. Right. Well, and that's what we were talking about earlier with Salieri. He's very um, uh, reverent. His compositions invoke a sort of reverence for, for me. Right. It seems right. almost... Reverence-inspiring? Yeah, and he's humbling himself. I, you know, it 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 it's powerful music. It's there's a lot going on that you can you can work with, and you know you can listen to this. I mean, the thing that I've learned from doing this with you is that you could just throw on an opera, even if you don't know what you're listening to, and you can enjoy the music, and then go back later if you're so inclined and yeah. figure out what the story was. Well, yeah, because I've listened to opera for years and had absolutely no idea what was going on, and I and you know that's fine. That's fine. It's like the way I drink wine. <laughs> <laughs> like this is delicious. I don't know. <laughs> there you go. Just enjoy it. That's I mean that is part of the point here, right? Is that it's you can just enjoy it without having to understand yeah. every little Yeah, just let it wash over of it. Okay, exactly. so we're beginning act 4. Act 4. And this is Epimnest, right? Back, back with her father again. And they're arguing again. Again. Exactly, because they uh are at an impasse. Right. And she starts off Act 4 with, uh, Écoute-moi, mon père. Listen to me, my father. On behalf of the gods, she launches off. And and he's just like, just stop right there. Just stop right there. And she's begging him to change his mind. She, she's not giving up. She's not ready to just flat out defy her father. She's trying to talk sense to him. But he's not listening. Yeah, that's going to go real well. 
So should we listen to that? Let's do. So this is Danos and Ipem Nastra in Salieri's Le Danaid, and you're listening to I'll Prefer Everyone on 89.1 KHOL. So we hear more of lamentation. From yeah, she's got a dear. lot of like soul searching going on. Well, she's in a pretty bad position, yeah, actually. No, yeah, she is. It's true. Right. And so she she has not succeeded in changing her father's mind. <laughs> she has clearly not changed her mind. And she's now simply referring to her father as the barbarian. The barbarian. That's right. Um, and he won't listen to me. He won't listen to my tears, my prayer. His fury is so great. His guards are, are more humane than my father. But he is, you know, trying to control her. He is trying to make her mm-hmm. carry out his Come ends. to heal. Um, and it's all quite tragic and sad. <laughs> and she, she continues to lament, as you can hear in the background. And, um, and then we have a scene here, which is very sweet, um, with... Um, Lancé. Her fiancé, Lancé. Fiancé, Lancé. Fiancé, Lancé. Mmm, <laughs> And Hypermnestra. <laughs> and it's very, very sweet. Well, let's listen to that one. What do they say, Pat? The first line, which is the title, as I have learned in opera song, is Lancé to your knees. And you're like, uh-oh, did she change her mind? But but no. And and he continues to protest his love. Dear object of my love. Mm-hmm. Listen to my love. Only to my love. She's, you know, my dear husband. And, and, they, and this goes on. Let's listen to this pretty love song with the two of them. 
Mics are hot, Pat. Very hot. <laughs> so hot right now. The mics are so hot right now. <laughs> so um, it's not going well for this happy couple. 
They're not. They're not super happy right now. It's not. It's not all a bed of roses for them. Il n'y a pas de bed of roses. N'a pas. <laughs> so, um, she comes up with the best plan she can. Get him out of there. Get him out of town. He's like, she says, you must run. You must leave. Get the heck out of Dodge. Exactly. Lance. Save yourself. Save yourself. And he's not really happy about this. What kind of what kind of world is this when two people who love each other the way that we do must be separated? It's a rough world, huh? Poor poor Ibram Nestra and Lance. Right? It's hard to say that with a straight face. <laughs> I don't know why. So um, this is, the... and she says to him, "We're gonna, we're about to listen to the track, the duet, the duet, where she says, but I cannot follow. I wish I could just come with you, because he's thinking that might be a solution, right? But she says, I, I can't. I can't. And he laments, you know, what a cruel fate. This unjust and barbaric law can force your faithful husband to flee from you." Very sad. Let's listen. Let's listen to them sing this sad, sad song in Le Danaid by Antonio Salieri on Opera for Everyone.
So is that Pelagus coming in and to say, Suivez-moi. Follow me, Prince. Right now. A la, what is it? A l'instant même. Right now. Right now. At right once. now. At once. So um, he's trying to help Hypermnestra save, save the life of her sweetie. Her prince. Um, but uh, so we, I, we think we maybe just put some of the pieces together. Well, you put the pieces together. I didn't. I was just sitting here. Because we're coming movie. up at the point when um, this terrible plot is when going to be put into action. Thirsty, yeah. Um, so my I, this is just a guess. Just a opera guess. fans <laughs> or would be opera fans. I think maybe that pantomime at the end of the prior act was the mm-hmm. wedding. Was the wedding. That makes sense. It wasn't clear in my libretto, but I think it was the wedding because... <laughs> you mean because the libretto was in Italian and we don't read Italian? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe that. <laughs> yeah, there's... there's uh, You know, we're, we're having fun. The music's good. It's opera for everyone. For everyone. One, one, one. So so we've got we've got the, the hoped escape of the prince... Mm-hmm. And Hypermnester's like, I, I can't come with you. And um, and meanwhile, we are fast approaching the end of Act 4. The end of Act 4. And we have Hypermnester letting us know what frightful cries. Oh, barbarians. Oh, this is terrible. And Hypermnester is just dying in anguish. And um, I believe this is where the bridegrooms are all being murdered by their wives. It's hard to tell when you're looking at a white page. <laughs> so, you don't see all the blood in a libretto. No, right. We need some stage blood here, badly. Uh, I think there's. I think the stage blood abounds, or at least just off stage, it abounds. And we have, um, yeah, we have we have much drama, much, much murder. Well, and in this in this one, this is Ibramnestra. This is track 26. So that she's saying, where am I, right? Où, où suis-je? Right. And that's, in fact, the first uh, bit of music in the fifth act. Yep. So we're we're doing that. We're that's doing happening. That. Où suis-je? Where am I? Right? That's yes. a translation? Yes. Should we listen to that? You're the one who speaks French, Kaylee. <laughs> you do, too. I don't... I Wow. I try. All right. Okay. Well, here's Ibram Nesto saying, where am I? Silence, <laughs> 
not a good day for Hypermnestra. No. She's um she's bumming out. She's bumming out, but I'll tell you what, as the as the virtuous one here, she's not even like pretending with her father. She's done behaved any differently than how she's actually behaved. She uh she moves from calling him a barbarian to a treacherous, angry tyrant. And, you know, how could you do this? Death is around us everywhere. <laughs> this is like every, like, teenage <laughs> angst movie ever made. She she confronts him. She completely confronts him. Um, and she's like, okay, barbarian father, just go ahead. Kill me, too. Um. And she says, my heart is broken, and I will die under your blows. There you go. Right? And and he says, wait, is my, is my revenge complete? And he sees all the daggers that he's given to his daughters covered in blood. Ugh. He's pretty happy about that. Um, you want to listen to that one? I think we're going to listen to the one after that. But let's let's just get where he says he says, "But wait. You you're serious. I see that your dagger is not bloody." Daughter, did you betray me? And she says, "Yes, I cheated your cruelty." Lancet escaped your fury. And you know what he screams, of course. Perfidious. Oh. Perfidy, perfidy. You will suffer a horrible death, he tells his daughter. Yeah, he's a great dad. He's not very nice. <laughs> no. That's a little he's bit a treacherous it. barbarian. He's 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 not a not a yeah, no, no, not a nice man. Um and she says, Well, deprive me of life because I would not commit your hateful, hateful crimes. Um and he says, Okay. I will. I will be killing you. We'll put you under guard for the meantime. Oh my god! I'll, okay, I can handle that. I guess. I'm just gonna kill you. We'll put you under guard. And um, actually, yeah, let's listen to that one. Let's listen to twenty-eight. My is my revenge complete? Is my revenge complete? This is Danus. We're gonna listen to him. Sorry. Silence, de ses palais il n'a pu fuir, et 
You're listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL. And we are in the exciting fifth act of Les Danaïdes. <laughs> it's so exciting. It is exciting. It is exciting. Because the king has learned because mm-hmm. his daughter has told him directly mm-hmm. she has he's not like, killed I'm not going to do what you want. You might as well just kill me. And he's like, okay. <laughs> I'll kill you. But the other 49 obedient daughters, and that's what he was just saying is right before we broke in to talk. Um, he tells the other 49 daughters to come and uh, help him exact revenge. Don't let Lancé escape. Find him. Kill him. We, the revenge must be Ugh. complete. All 50 of my brother's sons must die. So they're going to say, oh, because he's the only one that, because the oracle. Yeah. Never try to thwart the oracle. Just doesn't, <laughs> it never works out. We can make opera for everyone t-shirts that on the back they say, never try to thwart the oracle. Oh, so true. So true. And um, and the the daughters are all on board, you know, minus uh, Hypermnestra. The daughters are all on board. They're just like, yeah, just tell us where to strike. And They're we just will. like robots. Well, that they've, they have all just, you killed know. Killed their husbands. Murdered their husbands. So, yeah, they kind of, they've, they've thrown in on that side. Um, and um, and we've got uh, Lancé comes back to the palace after his escape. Why? Oh, why do you think? Oh, because the oracle. Oracle, never try to thwart the oracle. Never try to thwart the oracle. <laughs> so let's listen for a minute. Okay, let's. Actually, 35. There we go. So is that Danus? Uh, that's actually an officer saying um, Lord Lanceus is rushing to shore. Oh dear! So he's he's warning Dunnus that he's coming. All right, here we go. Come 
So the action continues to heat up. Lancé has returned to the palace. Mm -hmm. Because you can't thwart the oracle. Can't thwart the oracle. <laughs> and um, Dan Danis, meanwhile, is preparing to uh, execute, sacrifice his daughter. His daughter. Who's disobeyed mm -hmm. his will. Mm -hmm. And um, unclear whether Lancé realizes that that's part of the equation, which would only stir him on further. But from what he sings and tells us, he's avenging the death of his brothers. And that's right. You guessed it. He kills Danos. What? <laughs> Wait, what? Did that happen already? Yeah, it happens. Well, it, it's, it's happening. happening. He he kills Danos. Um, in fact, that that death is announced by the guard who had previously helped him to escape. Oh, yeah. So that's what this that's what this song is. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Dennis is dead. Exactly. And he's he's saying, I, I have avenged my brothers. Um, I have avenged my brothers. And this is what the gods require and give thanks to the supreme goodness of the gods. Well, let's listen to that. Yeah.
Well, that was a finale if I ever heard one. Well, yes, and we let's talk about this very what happens right at the very end. Danus is is killed. The palace is struck by lightning and collapses in ruins. What? And in this final scene, we have a representation of the oracle? Hell. Oh. We have a representation of the underworld in which Danus He's chained to a rock. <gasps> He's having his entrails pack, picked Ugh. out by a vulture. And the Danaid, all the, the 49 daughters, are in hell as well. And they're being tormented by all kinds of Beasts demons. Beasts and, and demons. Absolutely, and furies. And um, and it's it's just a horrible scene. And then we have just, I mean, imagine staging this. You have a rain of fire coming down on them all because that's what you're going to have in hell yeah yeah so this is this is a visual really bad for your skin yeah (laughs) yeah among other things um so this is a visual spectacle along with this this grand huge music and having spent this time listening to this and reading this show i want to see this produced somewhere i don't know if Anyone out there with an opera company is listening, but please produce this and let us know about it because I would love to see a production. I would too. The music was amazing. Yeah. Well, you've listened to another episode of Opera for Everyone. I'm Keely Heron. And I'm Pat Wright. And thanks for listening. Thanks. Thanks.